Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's interview episode. I am so excited about this episode. Honestly, I was looking forward to it all month. Um, today I'm talking with Carrie Davies, which is the founder and designer of One Essentials, which is a circular underwear brand that has put in the work to prove their sustainable qualities. Because underwear is the one thing that we all need, wear daily, and yet cannot resale or donate, it ends up in the landfill, and there really isn't a lot that can be done to recover it. What One Essentials has done is they create their garments with non-toxic dyes, chemicals, and recycled, organic, and biodegradable materials so that the garment can be recycled at the end of its life. And not only that, they also take back the underwear that you're ready to break up with and recycle them into new fibers using mechanical recycling managed by their partner, Reskinned. And given that underwear is such a functional item, you know, there needs to be stretch, it needs to be durable. They've managed to create their pieces with biodegradable elastane. I don't want to get too much in detail of everything that they've done and everything that they are doing in this introduction, um, because that is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. If you'd like to watch this interview instead of listen to our voices here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, you can head on to the show notes and click the link to the YouTube channel. It'll be there for you to watch as well. And with that, let's get right into it. All right. So thank you so much, Carrie, for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to get to speak to you today. Um, before we get started, do you want to just talk a little bit about yourself and um, a little bit about One Essentials as well, even though we're going to get really in detail about that right now, but just a brief overview of who you are so the audience knows who we're talking to. Of course. So great to be with you. Um, hi, I'm Carrie. I'm the founder of One Essentials. Um, we are a relatively new to market um, underwear and basic brand. We launched in September last year um, and we are fully circular. Um, we cater um, for men and women and everything we do is designed to have minimal environmental impact possible. Um, and we also ensure that we reclaim everything back at end of life and we're designing everything for that scenario. I actually really wanted to talk um, about the fact that you are a circular brand. So I saw on your Instagram that you're, that says that you're the first UK circular brand for men and women. Is that correct? Yeah, we believe we're the first um, brand in underwear and basics to cover both men's and women's in terms of full circularity. So from the design and conception of the garments, taking them back um, and recycling and repurposing them at end of life. That is so incredible. I wanted to talk a little bit about the issue with recycling and underwear waste, um, because most people, myself included, don't really think about the in, the impact underwear has on the environment, um, because the truth is, like, we can't really donate underwear or resell it, you know, like the rest of our clothes. So they typically end up in landfills. I'd love to, you to expand a bit more about, um, you know, what the issues are with underwear waste and then how your take back program um, addresses that. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, and like you just mentioned, one of the biggest problems with underwear is that there is no resale market for it. There's no charity market for it. You can't give away your old un unwanted pants that you've been using for a long time. Um, the elastic's gone, they're discolored, stained, whatever may be, they are not suitable for another use case. So effectively, they are completely disposable. Um, another one thing that we do all own, and we've all thrown them away because we don't know what to do with them. Um, one of the other problems with underwear in terms of recycling is that it's a really small item. Um, so to recycle that small item from fiber into fabric is quite difficult. So what we're doing at this time, we also have a, a take back scheme here in the UK um, where we will take back any underwear from any brand um, within, within the UK to recycle with our partner Reskinned. Now, the only way they can process that is mechanical recycling, which effectively means shredding. But the good thing is that that then goes into an, another marketplace and it is used for insulation, padding, wadding. One of the problems that we've got with underwear is that if it's thrown away, it also doesn't tend to go anywhere because it's made of uh, synthetic fibers, polyesters, nylons, or um, combinations of materials. Um, so, so it just doesn't go anywhere. That's another part of the problem. Um, so by working with Reskin, we can recycle those and give them a second life for another use. There is a statistic somewhere that there's less than 1% of garments are recycled into new clothes and materials. Does One Essentials products fall under that 1%? Sorry, did you say less than 1%? There's, there's less than 1% of overall garments that are produced globally. Uh, that are recycled into new materials and that's a fact that i've a uh, statistic that i've talked about a little bit in other episodes um so for the people listening like yeah. does one essentials fall under that one percent of people yes, that actually do, recycle? yeah so with our take back scheme with the with the uh with the garments that we've created within sweatshirts and t-shirt categories they're all made from monomaterials including the threads uh, the embroidery, we use got certified inks and loose unaccredited dye stuff. So everything is um, designed to be recycled in the most efficient way possible. We're also already using recycled cotton within our 50-50 blend of organic and recycled. So we're trying to reduce our virgin um, material use from, from, the, from the off. Um, but those products are specifically designed so that they're easily recyclable from fabric to fiber. And obviously as we scale, we'll know a little bit more about how we can uh, process those with different partners because we're still such a small brand. There is like a, a question of scalability for some of the partners that we can use, but we also have some that will work with us on a smaller scale, which is great. Um, but the underwear itself is a slightly different use case. So we design and create everything for use case. Um, because underwear is disposable, mm -hmm. we've created it to be biodegradable, um, but maintaining um, the performance that you need with that item. So we've used a biodegradable stretch yarn to replace conventional elastane. And for me, it's about creating the item of clothing for its specific use case. So not all of our product will go into textile to fiber recycling because it may not be the actual, the best use for that garment. So for underwear, for example, we would recommend that that is uh, composted or biodegraded first. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so much in that, that you said that I want to expand upon, but I first wanted to talk about the, you said that there's some challenges being a small brand and that's actually something I wanted to ask. Um, 
if you've noticed some consumer perception challenges to scale or like fully launch a program that recycles underwear, you know, like one thing that I could assume from consumers would be like, yo, taking back my underwear, like that's like gross, you know, like I wonder, do you think that that's a challenge that you faced from a consumer side or are they like all for it? I think it's actually a really interesting question. So from the kind of small pool of data that we have as a new business, from the scheme that we've recently launched um, in February this year, we've already had over 300 people sign up for that scheme to recycle unwanted underwear just in the UK. Um, that doesn't sound huge, but in terms of it, I, I think that's huge, hugely um, impactful from the small reach that we have. Um, so it proves that people want that service and they don't know what to do with it. And so there is a use for that. And we've created that kind of service for them, um, preventing those garments ending up in landfill um, or, or just being thrown away and incinerated. So for me, that's kind of shows that there is a need and consumers are willing to do it. Um, even at this time, we, we do incentivize that scheme also as a way to introduce people to our brand. Um, hopefully through a good deed and a good action as well. Um, and I think there is a part of it is having to incentivize consumers into action because not everybody is going to be readily um, as willing or, or interested in the environmental impact, but it's actually, they're just there going, well, actually I've got a bunch of old pants and I don't know what to do with them. So this is a great solution. So having that kind of incentivized model, I think will help to change and shift consumer behaviors. Um, but I don't think there's going to be a barrier because I genuinely think people are like, I've got a drawer full of old underwear. What am I going to do with it? So, oh, I, so I actually, I think there's, there's less of a barrier than what we would, what we may anticipate. That's awesome. Um, do you do the take back program? Is it for UK only? At the moment? Yes. May need to do with um, Brexit. And also it doesn't really make sense for us to ship uh underwear for recycling from other parts of, of the world at this time. Um, I know there are other brands offering this service within the US, for example, um, so that there's certainly more localized options. And I think it's also important to remember that, you know, we are an environmental brand. We don't want to be increasing our carbon footprint because we're trying to do good. We mm -hmm. want to we want to make sure that service is the right service within the right realm <laughs> or region. Yeah, that's incredible. Um... Can you tell us a bit more about the composition of your underwear? Like that's something that, something else that you were talking about. You were talking about biodegradable elastane. How does that work and how do you use it? Because um, I haven't heard of it like from you is the first time that I've actually seen it being used in a use case. Like I've heard of it being like, oh yeah, that's a great, you know, um, something that would be nice to have, but I haven't actually seen people use it. So can you tell us a little bit about the functionality of it and also what is it? Yeah, of course. So the biodegradable elastane that we use is created by a Japanese and Chinese uh, company called um, Asocorp. Um, it's a Japanese company manufactured in China and it's still a synthetic polymer um, that this polymer has been created literally to biodegrade. Um, uh, within a composting scenario within six months um, and also within a commercial scenario. So this particular yarn doesn't stay around like a conventional elastane, uh, which is, you know, a, a virgin plastic. Um, so I think this is sometimes where the confusion is coming in from a customer facing point of view, because fundamentally it is still a synthetic plastic based polymer, but it's a biodegradable one. Um, it's not 
it's not the ultimate natural solution, but it doesn't it does go somewhere and disappear, which is what is the problem that we have with with, with synthetic fibers on the market. Predominantly um, within mixed materials is that they don't go anywhere. So even if you've got your beautiful natural ten cell, you've still got ten percent regular elastane that doesn't disappear, mm-hmm. um, which seems counterintuitive. Yes. Um, so for me, it was important to replace that because that was the problem. Um, it wasn't hard to get recycled fibers or organic cotton or ten cells if we wanted to go down cellulose route, but it was all blended with the conventional elastane or even a recycled plastic elastane, um, which then didn't make any sense. So finding this biodegradable elastane really solved that problem for me. Um, Yarn itself is also cradle to cradle gold certified, so it's already been tested to to a high standard. So we already know that that works. We're actually currently going through um, a testing program on our actual items so that we understand what happens when our complete garment breaks down, which is really exciting. That sounds very exciting. I would love to see, this is just me because I'm a very visual person, but I would love to see a video of like the testing process. Like a time lapse. Uh, yeah, that would be so Wouldn't that cool. be wonderful? <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, so much work. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they do that in the lab. That would be so yeah um i wanted to talk a little bit more about the transparency aspect as you know i'm all about transparency and impact management and measurement so there's just so much that you're doing with one essentials that it's so hard to cover all of it but i want to try um but i wanted you to tell us a little bit more about your transparency policies and environmental impact side so in terms of Let's just talk about the environmental impact of your products first, and then we'll go into packaging. Um, So a little bit about the emissions, water, pesticides, all that stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, So we've worked um, on our first collection with um, a company called Green Story, who do uh, full LCA assessments of um, your production uh, life cycle. So we've done that just for, for our first collection. Um, it was a significant investment, but for me, it was really important to understand the impact that we're having in production. For saying we're an environmental brand and we're using all these great materials, I want to understand what we're doing as a business, where coming through from the actual kind of garment construction, where our fabrics are getting made, our full supply chain um, uh, kind of measurement. And that's all done kind of purely on data. Um, and we have that against every item in the range at this time. Um, and what that's allowed me to do is get much deeper level of visibility um, across the supply chain. So all of our main fabric is traced back to source, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, because fundamentally, it's still a global supply chain. It's not localized because of the nature of the innovative materials that we're using. Um, so we're still very much a global supply chain. Some of our uh, organic cotton yarns are coming from India, for example. Um, others are coming from Turkey and China. Um, within China, we also working with a supplier that um, is going through the YES program, which is an anti-modern slavery program to ensure that we're not sourcing um, any China from uh, sources that may be employing enslaved workers, for example. So we're trying to look at our human rights figures and uh, um, human rights policies as much as we're looking at our environmental policy, environmental policies within our supply chain. So it's given us a really deep understanding. But where we have, it's also allowed me to see where there are some flaws, um, where we can improve. Uh, so for example, on our trims, we've not been able to trace back to source on our trims, we've kind of got stuck. 
um, at, at the yarn as opposed to being able to get back down to the raw material um, with our uh, uh, last, the elastic specifically that goes in the waistband of the underwear. So there's certainly limitations and again I think these are things that we'll be able to improve on as we go forward um, and as we build the business and we get more kind of client with our suppliers where we can demand a little bit more information and be a little bit more heavy but to have our raw material to source is you know is really really great for me as such a small business at this stage. Um, yeah most small businesses can't get to that level of traceability, especially because, you know, like you said, they haven't established that rapport with the suppliers and they're like, oh, well, who are you? Why would we, you know, give you all that access? Right, or you're using available materials. So it's not necessarily easy to find that information, but because they're creating our own fabrics to have our own recipes, we've been able to kind of control that a little bit more. Um, and what Green Story have allowed us to do then kind of from a customer facing perspective is on every product page, you're able to see um, the amount of water used within the garment, the amount of pest, uh, pesticides, uh, CO2 emissions and energy. And as you add your items to cart, you can then see the impact of your total order, which is what I find really great is kind of as a consumer, if you're really into the data and you want to know, you can literally see the impact of your purchases because Fundamentally, nothing is carbon neutral. So things might be offset, but nothing is carbon neutral. We're creating a product. There's energy usage in that, you know. And I think it's important for consumers to realise that. And having that data point so visible within the website, um, I think, is really important to us as a business. Yeah, I think that's super important too. Like what you just said um, about nothing being carbon neutral and that being something to disclose because a lot of the time from a consumer perspective I feel like we see um, a sustainable brand or an ethical brand or transparent brand and we're like oh this is awesome um, so I'm doing good but then at the same time like at the end of the day you're still producing something um, so it's like very helpful for for the consumer to see that and also like I heard that you also do you give them those impact cards as well when they get to them. So it's like, not only are they being um, told about the carbon impact or like the environmental impact during checkout, but then they're reminded when they get it as well, which is, I think, really awesome. And I hope it's a positive reminder. I'm actually really intrigued to kind of understand more as we get more and more information from our consumers who purchase, like actually whether they're looking at the equivalences so is it X amount of light bulb hours, you know, energy hours or X amount of glasses of drinking water? Or are they actually interested in just like the, the litre and the kilowatt? Like what do they, what resonates with them more? Because I think there's a lot of people that say the equivalences are easier for people to digest. But, yeah. you know, we're all quite smart people. Like for me, I always switch on to the actuals because I find the equivalence is a little bit like, well, that's not really real. Like it's it's a great visual tool and that's, mm -hmm. I understand it very quickly, but it's not real. So so what's yeah. the real what's the real information? What's the real data? Um, I like that there's both options. Yeah. Because agreed. then like then people who are more, you know, who need that equivalent to understand, because a lot of people don't really understand metrics <laughs> systems that much. So like how much is 300 tons? Like, I don't yeah. know. But I hope it's, I think it's interesting because the data when it's given raw in liters or tons is flat, but then mm -hmm. the equivalences are always positive. They're shown, shown as savings, which yeah. is, is interesting as well. Um, 
as, as to how it actually negotiates with their customers. So I hope when people receive their impact cards, they're not like, oh God, <laughs> they're like, wow, that's actually really positive. I hope, I hope it's not a scary thing to receive. I hope they see that as a, as a good thing. Oh, I, think so. I think it's just important for brands to be aware of what they're doing. Um, because how can you change to have a positive impact if you don't know where you're at to start with, you know? A hundred percent. I could have not have said that better. Um, that's another thing I wanted to talk about, but I'm, I'm getting off track a little bit. I'll go back to the environmental part of your packaging, but what you were just saying about other brands. Um, one thing that I noticed is when we were talking last time, when we were saying how one of the main reasons that this is so important, what you're doing is you're a small brand, you know, you have had to do a lot of this work on your own shoulders. You're not like a big multi-billion dollar corporation, but you've been able to do so much with so little. And I think that goes to show that, you know, it's possible. It really like, I feel like you're the reason why I wanted to talk to you about your brand and to highlight One Essentials um, is because it really is like a great, literal example that there is no excuses to not be transparent and you know I feel like even major brands could take some notes you know from what you're doing um, and implement it into their supply chain and I think that would essentially change the way that we work um, in general so I just wanted to say that really quickly Um, I'm so grateful for you to say that but really kind (laughs) literally one of the reasons I started the business to prove that these solutions are out there and why the hell are we not all using them you know the reason is cost (laughs) but you know they're there and we should be and if bigger brands use them they wouldn't be so expensive yeah 100 percent. it would even out the playing field for everybody um okay so I'm going to go back to the packaging um, so I wanted to, you to tell us a little bit about the environmental impact of your packaging a little bit more. Yeah, so packaging is a really interesting um, thing. And I was so headstrong on wanting to create a brand with the lowest environmental impact. To me, it was like, well, packaging is this huge thing because we're going to be shipping direct to consumer. So we need to make sure that A, it's functional, but also it's low environmental a, a low environment solution um, and I, I spent a lot of time trying to work on packaging because the other problem with packaging is it can't be expensive mm-hmm. um, fundamentally it's a shipping box um, it would be wonderful if we could use repack but it didn't work out cost effective it also doesn't necessarily work for small items like underwear we didn't see that as an easy solution um, and as a small business it would have been a really big investment to to try and use that sort of reusable packaging um so i looked at other solutions for replacing the cardboard box and i'll hold my hands up and i don't think our cardboard box is the most environmental solution that we could have in terms of material i wanted to use a material called grass paper um, which is a much more lower carbon footprint um cardstock is my understanding than using something like FSE or recycled um, cardstock which is currently what we're using um the reason we're not using that is a bit of a Brexit conundrum it worked out really really expensive and there wasn't a supplier here in the UK that could provide that at the time of launching um but what we did what I did make sure we did was minimize uh, the size of that packaging so that it was kind of super efficient 
the other big thing was the poly bag. Everything comes in a plastic bag uh, to keep things clean, um, to keep things kind of in the UK dry <laughs> if you bring in a cardboard box and it rains. Or in Vancouver. <laughs> We're know, the same yeah. here. <laughs> um, so everything comes in a poly bag. It was also if we ended up getting wholesale clients outside the DCs work. So I felt like there needed to be a solution to the poly bag. And I looked at um, recycled plastic bags, compostable plastic bags. And I was actually having a conversation with um, another circular economy expert called uh, Julia English. Um, and she um, was talking to me about dissolvable bags because she was saying that if you're shipping out to people, you don't necessarily know that they're going to be able to compost. You don't know if they're going to have a local recycling facility within their apartment block or within, you know, their borough. Um, and she'd come across this dissolvable solution, which was effectively the same kind of uh, bio-based uh, plastic materials that you can dissolve it under boiling hot water and pour it down the sink with no microplastics being released. And that to me was genius because it meant that regardless of the, your living situation or your, your local borough or council's recycling situation, you could get rid of this material in the same way. Um, these bags can also be composted and recycled as well. They go into any of these various different processing waste streams. So it's a one-size-fits-all solution to, to any scenario. Um, and they're created by Invisible, um, Invisible Bag, an invisible company, um, again, based out of Hong Kong. Um, and they're just the best solution um, for this. But it's interesting because we have to really specify what to do with those bags. I've now put in a QR code in every box to hopefully people will scan and understand the instructions of what to do with them because customers get them and go, oh, plastic bag. No, 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 no. Very, very special type of plastic bag. So <laughs> it's quite interesting because we've replaced something um, that's very common for people to see. People don't necessarily realize it's different. Um, whereas I think had we put it in like some beautiful tube or packaging, um, it would feel much more special. Um, but fundamentally that cardboard tube may still get thrown away. Whereas yeah. this is all about minimizing the environmental impact at the end result of packaging and making things disposable when they need to be. Yeah, that is so cool. When I was looking at that, I saw, I went to the invisible website. I think that's what they're called. And yeah. I just started watching a video in a loop. I was like, how is this possible? And for those uh, watching, I definitely recommend that you check out the link in the show notes to look at that water sol soluble uh, packaging and how it biodegrades. It's incredible. Um, I did want to re-ask, because you said no microplastics are being emitted when they, mm. how? Like, that's the thing that blows my, I, I don't understand how it, a plastic bag that is water soluble goes into boiling water and down the drain without emitting microplastics. <laughs> my understanding from the team at Invisible when we were talking about this was it's the type of plastic, um, that, it, that it's the type of material, the plasticized material that it's made from when it dissolves, it doesn't create a microplastic because it's not made from uh, the traditional plastic material. I guess it's a similar conversation to what we're having about the biodegradable elastin. Yes, it's fundamentally still a synthetic material, but it's not um, it's not what we used to in terms of conventional plastics. And that's why it doesn't release microplastics. I mean, they sent me a lot of testing documents. They have been incredibly thorough um, with all their research and development, um, but it is very scientific and 
very specific in terms of the materials that are being used. And I, I'd be happy to share that with you. Actually, I'm sure they wouldn't mind if you wanted to share that with the team. That would be awesome. And I might just reach out to them directly as well to have them talk about it as well. Because that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned something where you said, that's why I started the company or that's why I started One Essentials. I wanted to, before we wrap it up, um, ask a little bit more about the the beginning, um, the the start. And we're talking like, I don't know, is this six months ago? Like for those of you listening, like this has all been done within like six, eight months. It's incredible. So much work has gone into this. Uh, so it must be much very fresh, the the um the reason why you started so what yeah. made you start this so i think it's quite interesting i've been working in the fashion industry now for nearly 14 years um mainly as a designer for uk brands and retailers and mainly for lifestyle brands so for example i used to work at barbara and i was probably i think i was definitely very frustrated designer um he wanted to kind of push products further than what we could within the realms of the relevant relevant businesses that I was working for, particularly from a sustainability perspective. Um, and like many designers, I was also made redundant during the pandemic. So it gave me the kind of opportunity to actually think about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to make a difference. I didn't just want to create another brand for having another brand. I wanted to create a brand that could stand on its own, really make a difference. And like you said, prove that there were solutions out there that could fit into a commercial model um for kind of a better product for our planet as well as being obviously hopefully desirable um so for me it was about finding that area that made sense as being wasteful and how could then we make it unwasteful and i'd been on a bit of a journey and learning lots more about circularity the idea of this linear system where things end up in landfills around the world, um, like in Cantamanto, which actually we partner with, as you know, we partner with the OR um, to donate with every cell to them for that reason, because I want to be part of the solution and part of the cleanup as, as well as making purposeful products better. Mm -hmm. um, that was all really important to me. So it was kind of about having this holistic full circle vision of the business, not just with the model, not just with the product, but with the whole life cycle and making sure that we were responsible for that um, from creation through to disposal. That to me seemed like the most logical solution to solving this kind of problem of the disposable nature of fashion and how we just buy stuff, use it for a bit, chuck it away. Um, and obviously we're talking very mass market there and not necessarily um, what the listeners of, of this show may be thinking mm -hmm. in, their, in, their, in their mindset, but very mass market, that's really what's happening. Um, and with that thought process, that's where underwear came in because it was a disposable item. It was literally something that didn't get sold by a resale market or a secondhand uh, rental platform. It was something that you can't rent, you can't resell. So let's tackle that first and we'll build off that building block. Um, even, even for me, I've been doing this for a little while and I didn't even think of underwear. Like to that extent that maybe it was just me being, you know, um, I didn't really think about underwear because it's such a small item. You don't really think like, oh man, I'm going to put this jacket in my closet. It's taking up so much room. What's going to happen with it? So that's like something that I think is really important to bring to the light is like, 
to mm -hmm. talk about like, hey, this is this is a piece of clothing too. And it's one of the, we all wear it. We all wear multiple of them. We all have like at least 10, 15 of, of um, each item. And we can't do anything with it after. So I think it's definitely a, an important starting point for- Right, we wear it all the time. We use it all the time. So I think we should give it some more thought. Um, and start thinking a little bit more about actually, okay, cost per wear, this is pretty good. My environmental cost per wear is gonna be through the roof when I'm wearing my one essential pants. Like we want people to feel good about the choice that they've made when they choose to purchase with more sustainable businesses, not just us, but others too. Like for me, it's about readdressing the value of those items that aren't given as much thought and aren't given as much time, but, but yet we use them every single day. Yeah, 100%. Okay, um, before we leave, I wanted to ask, how can listeners support? So is there any news, any one essential news, anything coming soon that anyone should know about? Yes, so there is some super exciting things coming up um, in the spring. So if you are in London, we are doing a pop-up in Stratford in the Christopher Raven space um, in the Lab 20 with a group of other circular brands. It is going to be UK's first circular department store. We are catering for everything, which is super exciting. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be brilliant. Um, obviously, so I'm in charge of the underwear department. Uh, but of yeah, course. it's going to be really good. Really excited about that. The other thing that we're launching is we're increasing our size range. Um, so we're going up to a BXL, um, um, which covers up to a size 28 UK women. So that's really exciting also. Um, and introducing two new um, women's wear fits. Um, on the brief. So for somebody who put a lot of thought into the product, I didn't think about choice on women's wear, <laughs> underwear. So now I have, and we're, there's going to be a high rise, um, a Brazilian fit, and obviously our classic um, brief. And so that's also all coming in April. Um, mm -hmm. There's lots happening. There's a few little exciting collaborations slash experiments coming in the works this year as well. And also I'm hoping to extend our shipping to the US um, and Canada this year. Um, I'm just trying to work out the logistics of that. So that will also be super exciting. That is so amazing. Um, yes, yeah, so for anyone who wants to join the pop-up, I will leave uh, all the information in the show notes for you to check it out. And anything else, like I'm also gonna leave her transparency page, the packaging promise, all the, the everything that we talked about will be in the show notes. Um, so I definitely recommend that you check it out go on the site and follow one essentials um i think it's one earth right on instagram is that your instagram yeah. so you can find us um either w.1e.earth or you can find us on instagram at one hq awesome well thank you so much um for taking the time with me uh to come on the podcast i really hope this inspired brands that are listening to you know improve their businesses and show that it's possible you just started this in september last year um so you know it's very clear that something like this is possible in the fashion industry so thank you so much for sharing that great thank you so much for having me it's been really fun Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.